This two-week series, as I said, will examine you know, what we receive from God, our Heavenly Father, as we stop running away and finally come home. As we said, amongst the many things that God gives us when we come home, three things I want to, to bring to your attention. When we come home, God gives us light, he gives us life, and he gives us love. Last week, I, I looked at light in some detail, and just to summarize, we looked at light and concluded that the first step in coming home is when the Holy Spirit shines light into our hearts and we begin to see, one, the truth about our condition. Secondly, the truth about our Heavenly Father. And finally, the truth about the lies and fears that we live under that stop us from coming home and experiencing the embrace of the Father. And if you want to get that fully unpacked, you'll need to listen to the podcast. This week, we're going to consider the other two areas, because it was a two-week series, not a three-week series. We're going to look at life, and we're going to look at love. So let's get right into it. John 1, 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. As I was sharing with you, as I was praying in my own kind of devotional time, and as I was, you know, seeking God, and I was saying, Lord, I want more of your light in my life and more of your light, in, more of your life and your light in me. As I was praying that through, this verse came to, this, I discovered this verse, that the life was the light of men. So here's the point. Life always comes from light. There's always revelation. And then as we understand what God is doing in us and we respond, so that produces life. You know, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and I think it was a lady called Rachel who reminded me of this verse at the end of last week. She said to me, look, this is the verse, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. In other words, as we walk with God, the Holy Spirit comes and he shines light into the dark areas in our lives. And we do have dark areas in our lives that we're not aware of. And the process of what we call salvation or redemption is that over a period of time, that light shines in the dark places and we begin to come into the light and life begins to grow within us. Here's the point. You see, as I was, and I've been a Christian a long time, as I've been walking with God, I've realized, you see, I thought that, you know, when I came to Jesus and I, and as it were, I gave my heart to him, and, and I remember the scriptures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 
where, behold, all things have become new. Behold, the old is passing away. I thought that it was, I was new straight away. Well, yes, I was. But there were parts of me that were still in darkness. The process of God restoring me was going to begin. And as I've been walking with him over the years, he is bringing back more of those areas that were in darkness into light, and most of those areas that are now have got light have now have life. But what does it require for us to do this? If we're going to reconnect in our hearts with those areas that have been disconnected from God. You see, we have to learn to feel. And, for, and I have to say this as a man, because I am one, obviously, <laughs> that for us men, it's, it's, we kind of have challenges feeling. We don't do feeling. <laughs> People on the podcast can't see why you're laughing. But we, we don't do feeling. That's emotional stuff. That's for, sorry, the ladies. But you see, that's not true. That's a lie, actually. You see, in the beginning, before Satan came and tempted Eve, we could feel, we could intuit. And when Satan came along to Eve, he said to Eve, did God say? And what he did was he he cast doubt on Eve's heart knowledge of God. And what he presented with her was, Look, you want to have a head knowledge. You will have the knowledge of good and evil. Don't trust your heart. He brought a sword there. And in the moment that she ate the fruit, there was a division between the heart and the head. And alas, between men and women. Because we know that naturally women are intuitive. They are sensitive. They, as I always say, your wife knows if you're married, if you've done something bad even before you've done it. How do they know? (laughs) Their spirit moves through the house. (laughs) Sometimes they say it without even looking at you because God has put it within them to be intuitive. Yeah, they just know. I don't know how, but it's true. They just know. It's God-given. And now, if you're a man, you, you are rational. You are logical. You are, you deal in concrete things. Can't be fapping about with all this emotional, intuitive stuff. You need to be able to see it and feel it and touch it. Don't give me any of this, hmm, I sense, I can't be dealing with that. Hello, hello, hello. So here we have this division. You have a married couple and they're two halves of a brain. You've got the intuitive part, the wife, and you've got the logical, uh, realistic, rational, plausible husband. When, when they're together, they're great, but when they're apart, it's a disaster. 
And in a way, what we're saying here is that God has put within us all a masculine and a feminine spirit. Now, obviously, you're a man, then you want to, you know, men, we like to take risks. Obviously, why is that not interested in risks? It's safety. Yeah, but that's God-given. But what we mustn't do and what we have done is despise the intuitive, us men. We have to confess it. We have. But you see, that's as much valuable to God as the concrete entrepreneurial spirit of the man. They're both important to God. So, how does God bring these things back to life? Well, the fact is this. Generally, we have some crisis happens in our lives, and God shines his light into that. And if we are wise, as I was saying last week, you know, we fall into sin or some crisis or some setback happens, we come to God. Because usually it takes something like that for it to happen. Up until then, you know, we carry on with our wrong attitude towards the intuitive and to the sensitive, or we're all concrete and can only deal with the facts. You remember Thomas, when the, the disciples said to him, look, he's alive, he's alive. And he says, I w-, and he, he, he demonstrated this to a T. He says, I won't believe until I can touch and feel. And you remember what Jesus said, blessed are those who, you do, who do not see yet believe. For this life, you need both. You need both the masculine and the feminine. You need to be able to be intuitive and you need to be able to be concrete. You see it in the life of Jesus. If you read the book, you'll see how Jesus said, he said, it says he perceived in his spirit. Yeah? And then this is the same Jesus that goes into the temple with a whip and he throws out all the money changers. That's courage. He was perfect in his humanity. He was, yes, human, yes, he was divine. He, was, he had a feminine and he had a masculine side. He was perfect in a way that he demonstrated what it was to be a human being. Thank you. Well, when we walk in the light, well, how do we embrace the issues that the Lord shines his light on in our lives? How does this bring his life back? Well, the first thing is when we make confession, when we actually admit it. We admit that, Lord, I don't connect with you with my heart. I connect with my head because I feel safe with that. And I know it's not right. There's a whole part of me that's cut off completely. For some of us, what we've done is we cut ourselves off from feeling because of the pain and the hurt that has happened to us in the past. So the only way for us to survive is to develop a strategy where we just deal from our head. And what we hate is when situations come along and all of a sudden the strategy that we have used to keep everything down, boom, gets blown away. And all of a sudden, we have an assuage of emotions that have been stored up there for many years and it's like a tsunami. It just kind of bursts in on you. It might be a grief or bereavement that causes it to come forth. It may be a setback which is relational or a setback that's financial, but what happens is, boom, the the dam is broken and all of a sudden we have to reconnect with that part of our life that we've kept under wraps. I remember I I was having some, I was at a healing week, um, I think in August, and I was having some ministry, so 
they asked me, how did I feel about the way that this person had treated me? And it was the question, how did you feel? I thought, what do you mean, how did I feel? Because I hadn't thought about how I felt about the way that I was treated. And by the way, if you, if you come on the Restore course, we kind of deal with some of this stuff. So if you're not learning to feel, learn to feel, because they're going to ask you those type of questions. How did you feel about being abandoned? How did you feel about the way that they betrayed you? How did you feel? See, I grew up where you, you didn't feel. You know, it was the cross. You know, you crucified yourself in Christ, so you didn't have any feeling. No, 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 that was not how it's supposed to happen. Feeling is part of it. Feelings of depression, fear, anger. I always remember when, I think it was Carl Turtle was sharing how they were prayed for this lady and they said, Lord, put her in touch with her feelings. And oh my gosh, she came out with some cussing and a swearing. They're like, oh my goodness me. It was all down there. As soon as they touched, all this stuff came out. Oh my goodness me. And for some of us, we need to get reconnected with who we are. I'm not saying that you can cuss and swear. Some of you don't need such a thing to happen, but that's not the point. Yeah? You just need kids or something like that. But the reality is that we need to get in touch. And then, as we get in touch, ask God to just help us to see where we have sinned or see how we have been sinned against process the pain of that. See, one of the problems, you see, when we talk about forgiveness is that we don't allow people enough time to process the pain. Because first, it's been down there a long time. And it's okay to feel angry. It's part of the process. And then as we move through that, we can move into the forgiveness and the releasing of forgiveness, the confession, rather, and the releasing of forgiveness. Then we have to believe his word. And Kevin read this word out this morning. The thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And Satan did just that in the garden. He, he stole from us so much. And the enemy wants to destroy so much of who we are as his creative human beings. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. In other words, I've come to bring back to life those bits of you that the enemy has tried to kill and to destroy. I've come to bring them back to life. And I've come not just to bring them back to life, that they begin to flourish and be abundant so that you can live again, you can love again, you can feel again. A life where we're fully functioning human beings who can enjoy intimacy with God, which is what it's about. And let me just say it to some of the guys there, you know, you think, oh, the worship's a bit intercess, a bit girly. Look, friends, this thing is not just about stuff that's manly. Yes, it is, but it's also about intimacy with God. And if you find that difficult, then that means that God needs to do something in your heart so you recognize that God appreciates the masculine side of you as much as the feminine side. And when you worship and you have intimacy with him, yes, you're using that part of you. And it's okay, because he designed it that way. I have to admit, you know, this morning the worship was just so sweet. I was a mess. 
Man, if I was wearing mascara, it would be, need to be waterproof. <laughs> oh, I'd go out and just fix myself up, as it were. Oh. Now, I'm not saying it's like that for you, for everybody, but for me, it's about intimacy. And God wants to be intimately, just as he was with Adam and Eve in the garden before the fall. They had the ability to connect with God with their heart and connect with him with their mind and connect with each other. So we can be intuitive and creative and sensitive, that's the feminine side, and rational and logical and strong and courageous, the masculine side. Let's go back to Luke 15, 22, the prodigal son. Now, as you remember, as I was saying to you last week, he'd gone away and he'd took all the wealth and spent it on wine, women, and song. And then he came to his senses and he went back and he made his confession. Now, as he's coming back, we pick it up here in verse 22 of Luke 15. But the father said to his servants, because he could see him, quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring in his fi- on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, this life that God is giving us is so that ultimately we can celebrate. And I I love it because he didn't deserve that. And in fact, I was listening to the radio this morning, and of course, the the Sunday service, Radio 4, you know, we're at that stage in our life that we tend to listen to Radio 4, you know, it goes with the ages. (laughs) You know, when you're you're young, it's Radio 1, then you get to 30s, it's Radio 2, you know, some Radio 3, but they're specialists. Radio 4 is where most of us end up. (laughs) And on there, it was, it was, Luke 15, 10, and it was talking about the prodigal son. And here we have the point. We are sons and daughters dressed in roll rods with a ring on off of our family and identity on our fingers and sandals on our feet. In other words, the father received him because he's now, and gave him life. And he didn't just give him a little drop of life. He was, I, I like what Henry Newman actually says here in his book, you know, The Return of the Prodigal. So strong does God desire to give life to his returning son that he almost seems impatient. Nothing is good enough. The very best must be given. Let me tell you, friend, when God wants to give you life, he wants to give you the best. And he's impatient to give it to you. Yeah, he's not there thinking, hmm, maybe I will just give her a little bit, you know. No, that's not God. He's abundant. And he's and he's anxious so when you come home you get treated like a son straight away it's not a period where you are in purgatory until we see if whether the, uh, ever, the, uh, the discipline that we have applied to you has actually begun to produce fruit so therefore you are on a disciplinary and then we will review this in three weeks that's not God he doesn't do stuff that way he doesn't even wait for the guy to even say his confession he just takes him in his arms Hugs him up and then says, right, you're going to have life and you're going to have it in abundance. So now, get the robe, get the ring, right? Get the shoes because this guy is he's not just any old body. He's my son. John puts it like this. Yet all, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, 
He gave the right to become children of God. Children, not born of the will of man or of blood, but born of God. Friends, we're family. You're family. We're family. When you come home, you've come home to the Father, so there's no holding back. He wants to love on you and give you life and give you all the honor that is attributable to you as a son and daughter of the king. So that brings me to my next point, love. Luke 15, 20. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And as I said to you last week, the father ran to him. You know why? Because the whole village knew what he'd done. So he wanted to spare him the shame. And then again, he was a, uh, the father was an honored man, a statesman, but he didn't care. He hitched up his, and he was a runner, yeah, towards his son. And his son's like, <laughs> I can imagine it, because the son's thinking, who is that? Is that my dad running towards me? Has he got a sword? No. <laughs> because, <laughs> no, and he throws his arms around it, because you can imagine the confusion. He's thinking, I've been away, and I spent all his money, taken the inheritance away, and he's throwing his arms around me, and he makes his confession. But you see, friends, the heart of God. Paul puts it like this in Romans, you know, he says this. You see, at just the right time, when you were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, God was running to us when we were running away from him. In Jesus, of course, he has provided the perfect sacrifice to deal with our sin. He who became sin, new sin, that in him we might become God's righteousness. But here's the thing. You see the heart of the Father here? God is full of mercy and compassion. I love Psalm 103. You know, we tend to say at funerals and all the rest of it, but that's not the point. But it says that as a father has compassion on his children, so... God has compassion on us. Why? Because he knows our frame. And he knows we're but dust. He knows what we're like. He knows our weakness. He has compassion on us. And there in the prodigal son, you see the compassion of the father. You know, it's very interesting, my observations of people. The more compassion and mercy that I've seen people receive, the more love and mercy they tend to demonstrate to others. That's true, because the scripture says that. To whom, much, uh, who, to whom the person who loves little gives little in love, yeah? And to do a little check on yourself. You know, if you've been doing this church thing for a long while, and you know, you've got your life together, it would seem, how do you respond when you see someone breaking the rules? 
at your workplace? Do you kind of get on your horse and say they need to do things better and get everything sorted out? Or do you have compassion? You know, I've had to just think about things because, you know, you see people respond in a very negative way towards you and your natural reaction is you want to attack them. But one of the things I've been learning is, no, you need to ask the question, why is the person responding that way? Because if you don't, you don't have the heart of the father. The heart of the father doesn't just judge, bring the sword, let me chop off their head. In other words, you know, it, let me put it in our modern day language, you give them a good slagging off. <laughs> oh, some of you never do that, I know that. Or you never feel that way. Yeah? But the Lord's been showing me, ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. What? Pray for the person. What's going on in their hearts? What bad experiences they had that is causing them to respond in that way? The father knows our frame. He knows we're but dust. He understands how we operate. And you know, we are, I have to learn that. I have to learn to ask God to help me get inside that person's head or heart so that when I respond to them, I don't bite their head off. Okay, when he came home, and when we come home, yes, we receive the Father's love, but this is how it's received. The things that we need, or love expressed in different layers. First, affirmation for who I am, not what I have achieved. Friends, this is the big one for some of us, you see, because for some of us, we're driven. We want to hear the well done. So we look successful. But the truth, the only reason we're successful is because we want to hear it from the parent, well done. But when you come home, you're affirmed for who you are, not for what you've achieved. And we live in a society that's driven by this idea of recognition based on performance. But there are no KPIs in here. There are no management by objectives in here. The son is loved and affirmed because of who he is, for who he is as a person. And you are loved by God because of who you are. You're a son born not of the will of man or of blood, but of God. So when you come home, it's not about, well then, what job did you do? How much did they pay you? What degrees do you have? <laughs> no. You're in because you're a son, because you've been born from above. You belong to him. Second one is affection. So I know I'm loved and can share my feelings. Most of us are in a place where we share our feelings with carefully, because we're not sure that we're loved. But God's intention is when we come home and we share our feelings that we receive affection. In other words, it's a safe place. So not only is there unconditional affirmation and a safe place, but the next one is attention. So I know I'm being seen and understood for who I am. Oh, you see, I had to deal with this. It's called narcissism. Hello, hello. 
If you grow up and you don't get attention, one of the things you can do is seek to get it. You can do it by the way that you dress, and I like to be very dapper, I have to admit. <laughs> yes. But the reality is that you don't have to be narcissistic. You don't have to be always seeking attention. You can just be ordinary because God's eye is always upon you because he says, I will counsel you with my eye. Which means that you can just be. Instead of always having to, hello, Lord, he sees you. When you come home, his, his attention is on you. You don't have to dress different or whatever. He knows who you are and he knows you by person. And before you said the prayers, he sent the answer. The third one is advocacy. So I know I'm owned and worth defending. In other words, I'm valued. And look, look what the scripture says. It says, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Romans. What shall separate us from God's love? Shall death, shall life, to principality, shall power? No, nothing. In other words, God loved you so much, loves us so much, that he sent his son for us. And if he sent his son, will he not freely give unto us all things? And it says in heaven that Jesus sits at the right hand of the majesty and high, no, we know making purification for our sins once and all. But he goes on to say that he ever lives to make intercession for us. So you have an advocate. You're worth defending. Because God sent his son for you and for me. So when we come home, this is love expressed. Affirmation, affection, attention, advocacy. Lisa Guinness in her book, um, uh, Journey of Grace, Living Water said this. These all contribute to the deep sense of acceptance that we all need to live to be part of the community and more importantly, join our own peer group. When we come home, these are the words that God speaks over our lives. And a voice came from heaven. This is my beloved son. Andy, whom I love and with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son and daughter. You put your name in there. With whom I am well pleased. In that verse is encapsulated affirmation, affection, attention, and advocacy. And this morning... You need to hear that resonate in your heart. That God is pleased with you. That you belong to him. That you are his son. And if you're a daughter, you have exactly the same privileges. With whom, whom he loves and in whom he is well pleased. And friends, it's not based on your performance. It's based on who you are. It's based on the fact that you've been born from above. It's based on the fact that the, there is the divine life in you that was placed in you when the Holy Spirit overshadowed you and you were to use the term born again. So there's a seal on you and you belong to him. And when you come home, the Father embraces you wherever you've been and whatever you've done. Wherever you've been and whatever you've done, 
He takes the shame. He takes the pain. He takes the sin. Puts it at Calvary. He washes you to use them all in that blood. He cleanses you from your sin. But he doesn't leave you there. He brings you in. He puts a robe on your shoulder to say that you are part of a royal priesthood. You're part of a royal household. He puts a ring on your finger, which means you belong. And it's a signature of who you are. He puts shoes on your feet. He puts a life in your body. He puts a light in your heart. And then he loves on you. And you know what he does? Is what Paul says. He begins to expand your heart so you might know the height and the breadth and the depth of his love for you in Christ Jesus. Now, if I was at some church, would anybody say amen? (laughs) Amen. Yeah? That's what he does. And that's the process. And that's why coming home is so important. So when we come home, the Lord provides light, life, and love. The truth of our condition, the truth about our Heavenly Father, the truth about the lies and fears we live under. We celebrate life and begin to live and enjoy who we really are. Not just living out of our, our, our head, but also out of our heart. We reconnect. And we begin to we have life because we're part of the family. And then we experience his love, his unconditional love, as it's demonstrated us. T, time out. Affirmation, affection, attendance. Yo, the band, if you could come up. And advocacy. So, God is well speaking to some people here about coming home. You don't have to be afraid of the Father. His heart is toward you. He embraces you. I imagine that the prodigal son felt the hot tears of his father on his cheek as he took him up into his arms. And in the beautiful picture that Rembrandt draws, there you see the heart, hand of the father and the mother on him and him being taken into his father's breast. Some of you, you need to experience that. You need to understand that coming home is where you begin to reconnect with who you are and what you are. A place where you can be known and make yourself known. A place where you can feel safe, where you can feel loved. Please stand. Where you can feel loved and you can feel cherished. A place where you can just relax and be what God intended you to be. Amen.